And if nothing was too insignificant for the savior of the world, then there's nothing that's too insignificant for us to do. And he always, you know, you look at the fish and the loaves. It's like, okay, this little boy just brought his fish and then God multiplied it. And that's what he always says. That's what he's still doing with us today. And so I just look at all the little things all throughout scripture, Old Testament and New Testament and how God took that all a long way. And so it goes back to what we said at the beginning. We just have to offer our little. Sometimes it feels like nothing to us, but we just trust that it's in God's hands that he is the one that's going to take it a long way. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens. I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. Hope everyone out there is doing well today. With me on the show today is author, podcast host, and my new sister in Christ, Rachel Adams. How are you doing today? I'm doing great today. I hope that you're doing great too. And everybody listening, I'm so happy to be here today. I'm a little tired today. I'm not going to lie. My birthday was yesterday. So by the time this airs, it'll probably be like a month or two. <laughs> And we went to go see John Wick 4, and we went to the late showing, and that movie is three and a half hours. So, <laughs> Was it good? I think so. I think so. So much so, I'm probably going to go back and see it again during normal business hours. <laughs> <laughs> well, happy birthday. I know before we hit record, I shared that I just turned 40 as well, and so we're in the same club. We're doing great for 40. We Aren't are. we? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think I so. Think so. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show today. I know I got you for a limited time, so I'm going to I'm going to dive right into it. So if you could tell the audience just a little bit about your background, where you where are you from and where'd you grow up? So I am born and raised in a small little lake town in Somerset, Kentucky. I lived here my whole life as opposed to I went away to college just briefly, met my husband Brian there the very first day of school. He proposed to me in the exact same spot that we met him right before graduation. And then he was not originally from this little lake town in Somerset, Kentucky, but I moved him here because he loves to fish. And uh, now we have two children, Will and Kate, who are in middle school. And so I spend my time taking care of our home and my family and I write and podcast a little bit and serve in my church and just kind of live a small, unseen, small life really in, in, in Kentucky, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Now you said you podcast a little bit, but you're on season five of your podcast, right? <laughs> I am. Um, and it's, it is something with the, a little bit of a funny backstory is I, in college, I thought I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. I wanted to be the next Katie Couric on the Today Show but I went to my public speaking class and I tried to deliver this persuasive speech and I did a terrible job. And so I flunked out of honestly of that class and I thought, okay, I can't do this. I'm going to switch to a business management degree. And so I find it so funny that now here I am talking to people on a daily basis and that I am interviewing. And so I think so often God puts those little dreams in your heart and you sometimes think you don't have what it takes, but Sometimes those things circle back, but yeah, I'm on season five of this podcast and it's such a gift to get to talk to so many different people every day, including conversations like this today. It's amazing what God can do with our yes and our obedience, because I know we talked about this briefly off air, but I had no intentions of starting this podcast and I just checked yesterday and to be out since August we just hit 13 countries and I would have done a cartwheel, but I didn't want to hurt myself on my birthday because people would have laughed. 
but I was excited. <laughs> it's something to celebrate what God can do with, you know, and honestly, so mine is called the love offering podcast. And I was sitting in a church pew one Sunday and there was a love offering envelope in front of me. And I looked at this envelope and I've seen these envelopes there for monetary giving. I see them every Sunday, but on this specific Sunday, I felt like the Lord was speaking to my heart. You know, that still small voice that he talks to us in. And I felt like he was saying, Rachel, you're my love offering. I've given you my love. You're full of it. And now you need to go and pour out, give my love. How are you going to offer my love to the world around you? Kind of living at the greatest commandment to love the Lord God with all of our heart, mind, body, and soul, and to love people and to love others the way that he's loved us. And, but of course me being insecure and doubting my own contributions when I have to offer, I thought, well, gosh, what do I have to say on this? So I thought, well, maybe I'll just interview other people and see what they're doing, how they're offering their love with their gifts and their talents, wherever they are. And so that was the birth, so to speak of the love offering podcast five years ago. Now, do you always have guests on your show or do you, are you ever do some of the shows by yourself? I always have guests. So I've interviewed almost 250 people at this point because I'm much more comfortable in your seat by asking all the questions and and rather than being in the hot seat and having to answer all the questions. Because again, I doubt what I have to offer, you know, and I think that is what I'm finding so much. I actually hold my podcast listeners, you know, there are two questions. How much on a scale of one to 10 do you feel like you have to offer? like one being the very, the lowest, or do you doubt what you have to offer and 10 with being the highest. And the average answer was a three. That's how much, how little they felt like they had to offer. And so, and 73% said that they didn't think that their contributions mattered at all. And I thought this is a real problem and a real tension, especially as Christians who know what our identity in Christ is and should feel like we have so much to offer the world and our value, but so many people doubting that their life even matters at all. And I thought I need to address um, this tension and this struggle because obviously it's not just me that's doubting. Do you ever get a chance to talk to like some of the people who listen and then just encourage them or they ever reach out to you? Like, do you have one-on-one interaction with your audience at all or personal interaction, I should say? I do. And it's, and I love when I get to, you know, whether it's an email that I get or a a DM or even just, I even had somebody in my own community. I was talking just at a store or some, I forget exactly where I was. And this woman turns around and she says, I feel like I know you, your voice sounds so familiar to me. And I, so we started talking and she goes, oh my gosh, I've never seen your face, but I hear you all the time. <laughs> and so I think, yes, it's such a gift and some, not always do I get the feedback. And I think that's something that we all need to be mindful to. You know, we can feel like we're living out God's call in many ways and not always see the fruit of our labor and to continue to persevere regardless of that. But gosh, it seems like the feedback and the the positive encouragement that I get on or on, it usually happens on the days that I need it the most. And I think that's no coincidence that God encourages those people to reach out on the days that maybe I even need it the most. I think always just reminding people of how uniquely and wonderfully made they are is important because we don't know the background and some of the struggles these folks have went through. We don't know what their mother or father may have said to them or an experience they may have had with a bully in school. I'm just picking, you know, any, anything, any trauma that they've gone through and just reminding them that God stitched you together the way he made you with intent. You were made that way intentional and he did it on purpose because no one can fulfill 
the call that he has for you, accept you. And he's going to give you the grace for that plan to be fulfilled over your life. And just reminding people of this, that's how much God loves you. Like that's how much God values you. That's how special you are to him that he created you so uniquely and wonderfully made that no one can be you except you. And just really helping them along that journey of understanding their identity in Christ. Because you said something, I'm with you. I, when I started this podcast, I said, who the heck is going to listen to me do this? There's 800 podcasts. Like, and that's just like, <laughs> that, that is such an understatement. There's 800 podcasts of just doing what I'm doing. Who is going to listen to me? And actually, I think when Rebecca George came on here, she said something to the effect of God saw fit that the gospels were shared through four different people. And I said, you know what? That was that was a really good response to if God saw fit to do that, you know, each podcaster has their own avenue, their own vein, their own audience. We're placed for a reason. We have the influence we have for a reason. And just to be able to just walk in the confidence of him, walk in in that boldness that God's got it. That's why we're, we're doing what we're doing. Yeah. Now I always like to think, you know, for so long, I thought God only makes, you know, one pie and there's only so many slices of that pie to go around, but he just keeps making a bigger pie. You know, there's plenty for us. He needs, we're all here on earth for a reason. And there's all something for us specifically to do a specific purpose. And, you know, you were talking about when I started my podcast, I thought, okay, here, I want to interview people. Nobody's going to even want to be interviewed by me. You know, everybody's going to tell me no. And that's been even such a beautiful thing that only God can do that. I Now it's like, no, I have to tell people no, because there's only 52 days or, you know, 52 weeks and 52 episodes that I'm able to put out in a year. And so, gosh, it's just fun that I get to to talk about the Lord with people and then hopefully get to encourage those that listen. So if you know anyone who wants to be on a podcast, please send them my way. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I absolutely will. Yeah, those those podcast connection groups on social media have came in so handy starting out because you you can find guests. I didn't think it would be so simple as to search, need a guest for a podcast and look at what came up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And, you know, you're talking about how uniquely we're all created. And that is something that I'm so passionate about and something that I'm still trying to, I feel like God is still ministering to my own heart, but my very favorite verse is Ephesians 2.10, that we are God's workmanship. And I think that is so beautiful. And it goes to just what you were saying, like we, the other translations, I think that's the NIV translation, but other translations say like, we're his masterpiece, we're his work of art, we're his poem. And like, we're created in his image. And so if we bear God's image, it's crazy that we would think that we are any kind of inferior work. Like God doesn't make mistakes. So why do we ever think anything differently about ourselves when that's the truth of what God's word says over us? And what a beautiful truth to to rest in. I'm getting ready to dive into the study heaven by Randy Alcorn. And I think that sometimes like we hear certain things like the streets are paved in gold and we're, you know, Jesus is at the right hand of the father, but we're all heirs to a throne. Like, I think that we really need to just embrace, embrace that, like just embrace the fact that we are literally sons and daughters of a King that loves us, that would send his son to die for us, to take our place. And then I think that we can walk in the confidence that God knows exactly what he's doing, when to do it and how to do it. Like I fall into that. Sometimes I need to remind myself that God is God. <laughs> And I may have all of these ideas, but like you said, we're his workmanship and he knows what he's doing. Yeah. And we're his workmanship. And the rest of that verse says that we're created to do good works. 
that he prepared in advance for us to do. And so what is that good work? And that's plural. Like we're going to constantly, we're constantly doing this. There is work for us to do while we're here. We're not saved by our works, but there is good work for us to do. Certainly. That's funny. One of the messages that I got for my birthday clearly said, God just blessed you in another year to do his work. Mm -hmm. It was was funny if you said that. So you just brought confirmation to something I was thinking about yesterday. So and you are doing good work. We're doing good work right now, right? Well, every little conversation, every little encounter, God's going to use it all. I amen. believe that. Amen. So in part of your journey and growing up, were you always a Christian? Were you always following? How did that come about for you? So I actually, I did not grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in a divorced home. I, my very first memory of God and, and his word was at a vacation Bible school. And I remember the Sunday school teacher, vacation Bible school teacher was teaching me the books of the Bible, which I can still pretty much say in order, even as an element, I mean, that was an elementary school, those old Testament, those last old Testament Bible. chapters get a little bit, those books get a little bit hairy sometimes. But so that was my very first memory of God and his word. And then it wasn't until middle school, I actually attended a play at a local church and it was called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. And if I'm being honest, I was, it was just really eerie music. I mean, they did fire for hell and then they did light and it for heaven. And I mean, just the imagery and the sounds and the, it just was such a, I honestly was just scared. I was scared. I did not want to go to hell. And that's, and I firmly believe that I was saved in that moment, but it took me many years from that point. My behavior didn't necessarily change. My attitude didn't necessarily change. I was, you know, I did have some good friends in middle school, some good friends in high school that I felt like their families ministered to me and discipled me, even though I didn't quite realize it at the time. But it took me almost, it took me all the way until I had my son 14 years ago for me to start to learn of God's love for me and to know that it wasn't just a salvation experience, that he could become my father, that he could become my Lord, that he could become my friend. And so this, it's been a really, a real gradual development in my relationship with him. And still, I believe that I'll still be, he's going to continue to reveal more and more of him and my relationship with him as I grow closer to him and learn more of his love. And yes, I still have a reverent fear for the Lord, but I have so much learned of his presence and his care and his comfort and all the ways that he can be relevant to my life now here on earth, not just in eternity one day. So I'm going to jump forward because I'm very curious to see how these two things tie together because on your website, it, it says just how much, like how you try to help women along their journey. So would you dive into how your testimony and how that experience has now helped shape what you're doing today? Yeah. You know, this goes back to when I finally really read the Bible cover to cover, my son was a baby and I spent a lot of time in the rocking chair with him and didn't have social media at the time. And so I was, I honestly just would just sit and hold my son and read my Bible. And I felt like that whole time God was really holding me. And it was a whole year. My son was, he was, he's a great kid now, but he was not a good baby. And so it was just a really, I got really close to the Lord in that season but I was really lonely. I didn't have a great sense of community. And so I finally got the courage to attend the local library to, it was called Toddler Tales. And there a woman introduced herself to me and she invited me to attend a Mothers of Preschoolers. It's called Mops. 
And so I went to that organization. There was a great community of women. And when I was there, another woman invited me to come to Wednesday night church. And so when I, I went to Wednesday night church, I thought, okay, this is, you know, there's good childcare. There's a great group of women. I'm going to go there. Well, then somebody said, you should come to Sunday morning. So I told my husband, I'm like, I really like this church. I really like these people. What do you think? Let's try to go on Sunday morning. So we went on Sunday morning and then somebody invited us to Sunday school. Then somebody invited me to serve on Wednesday nights. Then somebody invited me to serve at the food ministry. And so I went from this season of being really incredibly lonely with not much of a sense of community, feeling pretty empty other than my relationship with the Lord. But the more I noticed, the more I started to get involved, the more I started to, as I filled up with the Lord. And then as I continued to pour out, the more fulfilled I felt, I thought there's something to this. And then there was a woman by the name of Sarah and she was the women's ministry leader in my church. And she said, you know, Rachel, you young moms are serving so much that I feel like you continue to pour out so much. You all need to be poured into. How would you feel about leading a Bible study? And so I thought, gosh, I just now have started reading my Bible all the way through. You know, I don't have a seminary degree. Here we go back again to like, what do I have to offer? And I, but as I prayed about it and I thought, you know, what, I just want to be obedient. And so I thought, okay, I can put in a video and I can brew some coffee and I can order some books and I can facilitate I might not be able to teach. I might not have anything to offer, but I can, you know, I can order some books and at least facilitate and have them. And so I started doing that. And that was the very first time I started to have the nudge to write was during one of these studies. And so I tell all those stories to say it all started. It was one thing at a time. It was one step of obedience at a time. It was one invitation at a time. It was one conversation and one encounter that just continued to build and felt like God continued to strengthen my relationship with him, strengthen my relationship in the church. And as I continued to just have conversation, my own life, my own experiences, conversations with my family and these women's groups at my church, I just started to realize how much women needed a place. They needed to know that they're God's workmanship. They needed to know that they're created to do good works and they needed to just to kind of see their place and how they can partner with God for his kingdom and for his glory. And so that was really just, it was so gradual. And I think had God given me all of that all at once, I would have been scared to death. I was still scared to be honest. I still am, but I think that makes me even more dependent on him. And so, yeah, that's my heart. And I want that for my children. I want for that for the women in my church. And gosh, I'm for men. I think most of my ministry is towards women, but I think men often deal with some of the same battles as well, you know, doubting on how God created them and, and their place in this world. So that was a long answer to your question. No, that's good. I think you really touched on something, just the importance of community. You know, we're not meant to go through this life alone. You know, and I think that's the beauty of the great commission of disciples who make disciples. Like it's a matter of let's just link up and go and do this journey together. Let's arm in arm link up and do this together because we're stronger together. As cheesy and as hokey as some people are going to say that sounds, it is true. If you have someone to help you hold your arm when, when you get tired, if you have someone who has, you're going through something and you know, someone who's overcame that, you know, there, there's encouragement there. Because now they can at least, hey, I went through this. We may not be the exact same person. This, you know, different past, different backgrounds. But you know, if you're experiencing X, Y, or Z, this is kind of what I did. You know, it's mm -hmm. so you. I think the importance of just community is so critical in the walk and the end of the development of a believer. 
Yeah. I actually, I don't know. Have you watched the chosen series? Have you watched it? I have not watched this yet. And I think I'm the only person who has not. <laughs> you should use this as your confirmation that you should. I have loved it. It's made me fall in love with Jesus even more than I already loved him because I think it, and it's helped me understand the disciples. But I was just watching the last episode of season three that I've watched it was when the disciples, Jesus sent them out two by two. And he paired them up. He paired them off. And I thought it was so interesting to me because we really do when we, one of us feels weak, the other one's strong and we can play off of each other's strengths. You know, if there's somebody that's more physically strong or can, and that, you even see that in, in Moses and Aaron. I, I was thinking of that not long ago, my husband was going through some work issues and was just really struggling. And I could just, I was praying about it one morning and like, God, I feel like my husband is growing weak in this area and he needs somebody to come alongside him and to give him some strength, bring him for those of you in Exodus, there's Moses and he's losing his strength. And so God is sending Aaron on his way. And then at one point there's a battle going on and Moses, as long as Moses has his arms up, they're winning the battle. And as he continues to grow tired, his arms come down. And so Aaron comes on one side and her H-U-R comes on the other and keeps his hand lifted. And I thought, gosh, what a picture of that is that we need as the body of Christ and we need each other. And I felt like in that moment, the Lord was saying, Rachel, you are her, like H-E-R, you are her. That's why I've given you your husband, you know, I'm his, I'm my husband's helpmate. And how often, you know, if you're, if those of you that are listening are, are married, that we can be each other's helpmate and we can help our friends. We can be the Aaron and her for each other and how God so often sends us out two by two or more, how often he's used groups of people to do his work. It's really beautiful. We can't do it alone. And it plays into that, the whole idea that we're positioned where we're positioned for a reason. I think sometimes we, this came up at our last corporate prayer session that we can be the answer to somebody's prayer. We are always like, I think sometimes like we pray for things or we pray for other people and that we forget that there's like somebody else somewhere in the world praying for something. And we very well meet, we very well could be their divine appointment. We very well could be the answer to their prayers and we may not even realize it. Again, that like you said, a little goes a long way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everywhere we look, each person we encounter, they have a need that we probably can meet in some way. And so the my prayer is, God, open my eyes to see the person in front of me the way that you see them. And how can I meet the need in front of me? Because I believe in those divine encounters too. I mean, we no matter where we are, there's probably, other than during covid we are surrounded by people all the time. And so how can we show them the love of Christ tangibly so that they will come to know maybe the God that they think is very intangible? One of my morning prayers every day, Holy Spirit, interrupt my day. Just feel free to interrupt my day. And then I pray, God, use me today. Use me to show someone you today. Use me to love someone today. Use me to make an impact on someone today. Use me to serve today. Use me to lead someone to Christ today. Because immediately now, first thing in the morning before my mind starts racing, because it's inevitable, that's just what's about to happen. It gets me off of myself and whatever my day or whatever I think my day is about to include. And it just says, God, this I'm still your vessel. You know, you have my yes. What what are we going to do today? Just guide that journey today. And I will tell anyone listening, I have ended up in some places that I didn't think I would be just because of that prayer. And when you pray, Holy Spirit, interrupt my day. 
you need to be ready to minister out of your overflow because you don't know where you might be in the afternoon. <laughs> yeah, watch what you pray for. <laughs> yeah, please be aware of what you're praying for. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit about A Little Goes a Long Way. Yeah, there's actually in my devotional, there's a little interruption goes a long way. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. But this whole idea, it was this wrestling I was thinking about. I'm really a I love productivity. I love a good to-do list. I love to, you know, growing up, my dad is an entrepreneur and I think everything was kind of quantifiable and he would even have us sign contracts that we would meet a certain goal by a certain date, you know, and we'd have to write our name and make copies of it and post it somewhere, you know, that we would achieve the goals that we had set. And so this is kind of how I grew up and even my, my, one of my, I worked for my dad for a while and I was in accounts payable and accounts receivable. And so everything you could measure everything, you know, and it's like, you weren't meeting your goal. What could you do to further meet that goal? And so this just gives you an idea of kind of my mentality and my mindset. And so when I went from kind of the boardroom to then like the playroom as a stay at home mom, I really struggled (laughs) with, you know, okay, well now, you know, I'm changing diapers and sweeping floors and and washing, you know, it just, it was a, a real struggle. And so my husband would come home from work and he'd say, well, how are you? How was your day? And I would list everything that I had accomplished, just wanting his validation, wanting this assurance that I was significant still, and that I was doing a good job. And he wasn't asking, you know, what I had done. He was just asking, how are you? You know, I love you regardless of what you accomplished today, which is so how, you know, our father in heaven is too, you know, I love you just because of who you are and not what you do for me necessarily. And, but it was just, it's just this constant wrestling that I have with the Lord. I go to sleep at night and I'm like, okay, well, what did I do for you today, Lord? You know, are you proud of me today, Lord? (laughs) And this is this comfort. And I just, I just finally was like, I've got to go to his word. And what does he say about this tension and this wrestling and my significance? And as I studied in his word, I just felt like I saw that a significant life is actually much simpler and smaller than we think. And you look all throughout the Bible. And I mean, from the very beginning, you look at he, there was Sarah and Abraham, and they were both well into their older years and impotent and barren. And that's who God chose to start the generations that were going to number more than the stars in the sky and the grains of sand on the seashore. And then you look at David, he was the youngest and least in his family. And that's who became king and in the lineage of Christ. Gideon, he was the least in his family. You look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. She was just a young girl that brought the Savior into the world. And then even Jesus himself, he was born as a baby in the tiny town of Bethlehem. And he never traveled outside a hundred mile radius. And you look at the way that he lived his life. He was likely a carpenter with his earthly father, Joseph. He studied the scriptures. He walked along the road. He shared meals. He went to weddings. He went to funerals. He went to the synagogue. He washed feet. He held children. He sat with one woman beside the well and had one cup of water. And I think that's how the savior of the world lived his life. And if nothing was too insignificant for the savior of the world, then there's nothing that's too insignificant for us to do. And he always, you know, you look at the fish and the loaves. It's like, okay, this little boy just brought his fish and then God multiplied it. And that's what he always does. That's what he's still doing with us today. And so I just look at all the little things all throughout scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, and how God took that all a long way. And so it goes back to what we said at the beginning. We just have to offer our little. Sometimes it feels like nothing to us, but we just trust that it's in God's hands that he is the one that's going to take it a long way. And we may not always see it here 
on earth, but I trust that in heaven one day, we'll look back and he'll show us how far he took it all. So you obviously, like we talked about author and podcast host. So would you say as far as your book goes, like that is where all the motivation and inspiration came from is just following the example that you've just seen in the Bible? Yes. And I wanted to see it, you know, I wanted to see it in my own life, you know, so that's how I've seen it played out in the Bible. And so in my devotional each day, so that one of the examples, like a little prayer goes a long way. And so I look at examples from, from scripture of how a little prayer went a long way. And then an example from my own life of how a little prayer went a long way. And then I encourage each person, each reader to then, you know, look at how, when we pray, what God can do. And so you just think about somebody to pray for that day. And then there's a prayer prompt. And then with the podcast, I've correlated each of the season, this season five with each day, I have somebody that came on and talked about how a little prayer has gone a long way in their own life. And so some other examples are like a little meal goes a long way. A little interruption can go a long way. A little a conversation can go a long way. And so that's kind of the rhythm of the devotional because I never want to add more to anybody's to-do list. You know, we're all so busy, but I also don't want to, I just want people to value the little that they're probably already doing that they just don't realize the significance of. And I think too, you know, I don't want to ever demonize big things because I think God certainly works in big miraculous ways. He's a very big, miraculous, mighty God. But I just don't want us to discount the small ways that God also works. Because again, I think, you know, most of our lives, yes, we can see some really big moments, especially on social media. And we can look at, sometimes culture tells us like bigger is better. But I think really those that are even leading really big lives, maybe up on stage or on camera, most of their days are made up of really little unseen moments too, that maybe feel mundane and monotonous as well, just like many of ours do. You nailed something that I've said for a long time, that God is in the details. I don't think there's anything too big or too small for him. And I think those things that we view as small and insignificant is part of those building blocks that take us along the journey for where we're going. Because if he would have given me, to your point, the things that I'm doing now, if he would have given those to me when I first got saved, I would have destroyed it. There's, I would not have been mature enough to handle it. I wouldn't have had the wisdom to handle it. Like he builds us a- along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's even one of the devotions, like a little preparation goes a long way because I believe that God is, he's not going to waste any of our experiences, the good and the bad, that he's going to use all things for his good and for his glory. And I think that like our whole lives are really God's training ground. And you mentioned this at the beginning too, how even some of the things that have been hard and been struggles, that's helped our roots grow even deeper and wider and helped us to have to go to the source for our nourishment. And so yeah, he doesn't waste any of those things. And those are some of those tests that build our testimony or how then we go and help people to maybe have one day get through their tests for their testimony as well. So for anyone listening, how can the audience support what you're doing as far as getting their hands, your devotional, as far as listening to your podcast, how can they connect with you and support what you're doing? I believe that every encounter goes a long way for sure. We just never know what God's going to do with each person we meet. So I would love to meet every person listening. So you can find me at Rachel Adams author on social media and rachelkadams.com is my website. And my book, A Little Goes a Long Way is available anywhere books are sold. And then the Love Offering podcast is available to be 
you know, on any listening platform. So yeah, I would be honored just to get to know you and to share these resources with you. And for anyone listening, no matter where you're listening, if you type a little goes a long way in the comments, I am going to make sure we get this book into your hands for the first five people who, who type that in the comments. So no matter where you're listening, if you put in the comments, I'm going to get that book into your hands sooner rather than later. So, and I still owe, I still owe some of you the copy of Rebecca George's book, do the thing. So I only buying books a lot at the end of May. <laughs> so. Well, I will, how about this? I will donate that book for the giveaway because it would be my honor to, to share this message. And I pray that it reaches the exact right hands that need it most. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it. I'm going to thank you on behalf of, I'm going to thank you on behalf of the audience. So thank you so much. This is part of that community, which actually leads me into my next question. Cause when I was reaching out to you, you said something to me that like just spoke to my heart when you said the term community over competition, what does that mean to you? And how do you live that out on a day-to-day? I know you shared a lot of it, but I figured I would, I wanted to just touch on that for the audience. Yeah. And I think as we were, you and I, cause Rebecca George is one of our mutual friends and that's how we ended up getting connected. And she just launched her book that we just talked about, do the thing. And I went to, she lives in Tennessee. And so of course, being in Kentucky, I thought for her launch party, I'm going to go and celebrate her. And this is my friend and I'm proud of her. And we've walked this journey of writing together and podcasting. And, you know, it's been a, it's been a long journey from the time that I first had my idea till the book got in my hand was about five years. And it was, I think an even longer journey, about 10 years from when she first had the dream to write until she actually had her book published. And so just to celebrate her perseverance and what God has done, her faithfulness and God's faithfulness. And, and so I think when I, just to get to celebrate our friends, and that goes back to what you were saying, like so often we think, well, if she does well, then that means there's not enough room for me to do well or or him or whoever. And so this is just this idea of like, no, we're back to what you were saying. We're better together. How can we help support one another? How can we share each other's messages? How can we equip each other better. If I know of something that's going well for me, I can share that with you in hopes that it helps you. And really, I think it goes back to this isn't about building a kingdom for ourselves or building a platform for ourselves. This is about trying to make Jesus known, building his kingdom for his glory, not for our glory. And so how do we best do that? And we do that by going back to, I feel like we keep circling back, but by linking arms together, holding each other's arms up, because I think that God is going to continue to really bless that when the focus is on helping each other and and for making his main name known and not ours. And the calling for that other person is for them. So I'm going to celebrate them in their success because they're doing a kingdom thing. Cause like you said, we are building God's kingdom together. This is for him. When, before I got saved, I tried to build my own kingdom, my platform and I watched it fall apart. <laughs> I, it was man-made and it was made with all the wrong motives and all the wrong intentions. And I, I, when Christ came to my heart, I saw all of that just come crashing down. There's no sustainability to it. And I recently, a friend of mine sent me a text message that, that she had got a blessing that she had been praying for a long time. And then I think that she ended the mess by saying, you know, your breakthrough is coming. Your time is coming. And I said, I appreciate that. But right now I'm going to celebrate with you and we're, I'll celebrate with you until my day comes. <laughs> so I'm happy for you and what you're seeing right now. And I think that's one of those things in Christianity that we could continue to be mindful of is to just let's celebrate when someone is celebrating. Let's cry when someone's crying. Let's hold their arms or they need to be held up. Let's just listen if we need to listen. Let's pray for them if that's all that if that's what they're asking for is prayer, those kind of things. So 
But when you said that, it literally spoke to my heart in that message. So I just wanted to bring that on air. Yeah, no. And I think it's a reminder because it's easy to compare and it's easy to get jealous and it's easy to envy. It's like, well, they've got more numbers than I do, or they've got had more book sales than I do, or they've got more followers than I do, or they're making more money or whatever, whatever your industry is or whatever business you do, or their house is bigger than mine or whatever it may be that you. And I think it goes back to trusting that God has you exactly where he wants you and he's given you exactly what he's given you. And I think in some ways it goes back to like the parable of the talents, you know, and some, he gave certain people, certain talents. And so what are we going to do with what he's given us? And we can't let fear stop us. We can't bury our talents. We want to be good stewards of what he's given us specifically, and then, and just steward that well and invest it wisely. And then hopefully one day when we reach heaven, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's my prayer. That's the prayer. That's the goal. Jesus name. This is the saddest part of the show for me every week because this is the final segment of the show. This time has flown by. I got, I would love to get you back on here just so we can continue this conversation. So I would love that. And in person, if possible, see, we can make that happen. <laughs> that would be even better. Yeah, it would. I would I'd be honored to do so. This has been, it has flown. This has been great. Thank you so much for having me. We'll have to do it again. We'll have to do it again. But that brings us to our Let Them Know segment where you can share anything you would like to share with the audience, whether it be an, an upcoming speaking engagement or the book that you're getting ready to put out, a word from God, please, Rachel, let them know. I think what's on my heart right now is it's from Zechariah 410 and it's do not despise small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. And for those of you, this is in the, he's a minor prophet. And this is in the Old Testament and the Jews are rebuilding this temple that was destroyed and they are, they're building the best that they can with what they have. And they're looking at what used to be built that King David and King Solomon had built. And in comparison, what they were doing was not nearly is in the size or the splendor of what those previous Kings had built. And so they were comparing their current task with what somebody else had done. But in this moment, Zechariah looks at them. He says, it's not about what you're building in the outside of the temple. It's what's on the inside of the temple that matters. It's because the God's presence is on the inside of the temple. And so don't despise what may look small. God rejoices to see the work begin. And so I think the reason that's on my heart is we are God's temple and he is on the inside of us. And that is what makes us special and significant. And it's him that's going to breathe life into anything that we do, anything that we're building. And so just whatever God is speaking to you today, whether it's to start a podcast, write a book, start a ministry, serve in your church, say hello to the next person that you see, give us somebody a smile or start a conversation or give somebody a hug or share a meal or extend an invitation or pray for somebody, whatever he's asking you to do, be obedient to that. And just start, just begin. God's going to rejoice when you begin. That is so good. Amen. Thank you for sharing that today. If you could do one more thing for us, something we always do on the podcast, if you could pray us out, I would really appreciate it. Yeah. And I'd love to. Father, we love you. And we devote this time to you because you are our why we're here. And we just pray that you would just speak to every heart listening, that you would show them how significant they are, that they are significant and they have value and worth apart from anything that they do, that you just love them and that you have created them as your workmanship, special and unique. 
and that you've gifted them and that they have talents and resources and time to give, that they would no longer doubt who they are, how you've created them, but that they would be confident in that and they would believe in what you've given them to do, that you would show them the good work that you have for them each and every day, that they would be obedient to that task, Father, and that they would see the fruit of that labor, Lord, and that they would include you in all of the work that they have to do and that they would serve you and that it would further your kingdom for your glory and that they would trust that every little thing that they do will go a long way for your kingdom and your glory. We love you, Father. It's in your holy and mighty name we pray. Amen. And Lord, I just lift up Rachel and her ministry to you now, Lord. I pray you just continue to just use her in a mighty way. I just pray that you just continue to bless her and just give her the wisdom and knowledge she needs to just do all the things you've asked her to do. Continue to give her the grace to do the things that you've just called her to do, Lord. I pray a blessing and a hedge of protection on her and her family, Father. I pray your traveling mercies over her as she goes out for the for today. And I just thank you for everything you're doing in her and through her. I thank you for her. Yes, Lord, I just thank you for her testimony is going to continue to just inspire and encourage so many. We just pray and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for doing the show. And we will have to get you back on here in the future. Sounds like a plan. Can't wait. Thank you, Rachel. Have a good day. You too.